God's doing some really cool things at the chapel. Let me um, bring you up to speed um, if you're not aware. About two and a half years ago, we partnered with a church called First Baptist Church of Mango. Long ways away from here, about three and a half miles. And, uh, and I've had the opportunity to pastor that church as a campus pastor for the past two and a half years. And God continues to grow us. And, and, and we think we're going one direction. And God says, no, you know, we're going this direction and uh, if you're familiar with that church that used to be on the corner, when I say church, the church building that used to be on the corner of MLK uh, and Mango Avenue right there, kind of catty corner across from the Walmart, um, that corner has been sold, and uh, it's okay. Um, the, the, the buildings were very antiquated, but the good news is, is God's enabling us to build a brand new facility that's right behind where that other building used to stand um, and, and debt-free. So can we praise God for that? We've, we've been meeting temporarily um, about 100 yards from here uh, in a room called The Loft on Sunday mornings, um, but in the near future, we do have a plaza that has been leased in the Winn-Dixie Plaza at MLK and Parsons, and if you could just pray with us, uh, we're, we're doing our best to uh, appease the county and what they require of us, but uh, pray that we can get in there real soon so we can get back to that community and so the community can be reassured that we haven't gone anywhere, but we're still alive and we're still moving forward. And uh, by God's grace, he's going to help us to continue to make a difference in that community. So some of the wins is, you know, God is growing us, uh, certainly numerically, but also uh, spiritually. And, and we've made connections in the community. One, first and foremost, is with Mango Elementary, and God's given us inroads there. Uh, to initially hang out. We've been spending time in their lunchroom, uh, hanging out with kids, but we've got big, big vision for what God uh, wants to do specifically in that school, but also bigger than that in that community. And uh, if you ever have an interest and desire to kind of partner with us in that initiative and in those efforts, we certainly would welcome uh, that from you. But how you could pray for us is certainly that barrier would be removed. We could get into the plaza soon. And then you know, if you've ever built anything, um, there's hoops that you jump through with county, this, that, and the other. And we'd love to be able to break ground on that uh, new building here real soon. But pray for us. And then things you can do is, by all means, if you have an interest to, to get connected in, in, a, in a mission work, you don't have to go all the way to Africa to do it. Um, there's, a, there's a mission work right here close that's part of Baylife Church. Um, places for you to plug in, places for you to serve. And at the very least, you know what uh, really ministers to me is when, when some of you uh, Baylife folks, um, you just come to visit and encourage. Visit and encourage. I think about our missionaries that are, are back in the States now, Mike and Janelle Dow, when they served on the mission field in Uganda for 10 years. I know that, that it was an encouragement for them for teams to go over and just visit and encourage. And even if it's just a visit, visit or an encouragement, uh, periodically, that will go a long, long ways for, for me, and uh, certainly it will go a long, long ways for um, our people there. Uh, can I just open us in prayer? There's more that I need to say this morning, um, but I certainly just want to ask the Lord to lead me to say and us to hear uh, what he wants to do in our time here this morning. Let's pray. Dear God, um, we're in a neighboring series. You know that. I'm not telling you something that you don't know, Lord, but as we've hopefully I've uh, been opening our mind to that the last couple of weeks. God, my prayer is that we've been challenged. And um, sometimes us religious folks can get caught into routines and we just go to church because that's what we do. And nothing changes in our lives. Lord, may your word change us 
I pray. And as we explore that again today and open that up again today and revisit that again today, Lord, open our hearts to what you want to do in us. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark introduced a card similar to this. Anybody recognize this card? It's a house in the middle with houses around it. Anybody? Ushers, if you can prepare some more coffee and just start serving that around because these people aren't awake yet. So, so he gave you a card, and if you, if you weren't here, there's a card, basically the house in the middle symbolizes uh, your house. And I didn't really give myself uh, enough credit, uh, not, not because I am due credit, but I kind of shaded it in this morning. I am making progress in my neighborhood. Um, I made it sound like last night that I haven't done anything, and that's not true. So I started thinking about the immediate houses that are right, right around uh, my house. I've been living in my house for 14 years, and I'm making progress in regards to knowing names and, 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 and doing life and, and, and serving and being served and, and, and knowing each other and being concerned about each other in, in my neighborhood. And my hope is, is that you're doing that uh, in your neighborhood as well. Just as a refresher, I'm not re-preaching Mark's sermon. I've been preaching along with this series as well for the past two weeks. But if you're new here today or maybe you've been gone a couple of weeks, I just want to kind of put some context as to what I'm going to say today. By briefly, two weeks ago, Mark uh, opened in a passage in Matthew, but then he ultimately landed in Luke chapter 10, in verse 25 through 37. And there was a lawyer in this setting, and he asked Jesus this question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's an important question, isn't it? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers a question with a question. What is written in the law? And how do you read it? The lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And if you're honest, a lot of times as Christians or religious people, we leave it right there. But the rest of what he said there is, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, granted, we don't do the first four really well, if we're honest, loving the Lord with all of our heart and, and with all of our soul and with all of our strength and with all of our mind. I mean, do you honor God with all of your mind? We could go on and on and talk a long, long sermon series in regards to that alone. Then it goes on and says, and your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer asks the question, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes to tell this story about a Jewish man who was beaten up and left for dead in a ditch. And the first person that came along was a priest. Um, modern vernacular, there's certainly some uh, Christian traditions that still use priests. But just say a pastor walked by and you would think of all people, a pastor would be the one to serve this beaten up Jewish man that was left for dead. And this priest made it his business to go on the other side of the road and continue on his way. And then Jesus went on and said, then the next person that came by was a Levite, a, a, a modern uh, understanding for what that is, is somebody who worked in the temple or somebody who worked in the church. So the priest walked around on the other side and continued on his way. And, and certainly, maybe the priest just was really, 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 really busy. And certainly this church wor worker was going to help this man in the ditch. But indeed, he did the same thing. He walked around the man and continued on his way. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story that this Samaritan came and encountered and saw and approached this Jewish man. And culturally speaking, Jews and Samaritans were cultural enemies. So think for just a moment, don't say out loud, who are your cultural enemies? Who are your cultural enemies? 
So this Samaritan approached the Jew. He took it upon himself to administer first aid. He put him on his mode of transportation. And no, it wasn't a VW or a Cadillac. It was some sort of a four-legged animal. And he took him to an inn. And he told the innkeeper, he says, take care of this man. I will return. If it costs you any more money to provide the care that's needed for this man, I will repay you what you've spent for this man. So the Jewish man fell upon robbers, the priest passed by, the Levite passed by, the Samaritan administered help. And he goes on to say in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He says, the one who showed mercy. So context of our neighborhood, context of your neighborhood, who are you showing mercy to? Who are you showing mercy to? And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So what would Jesus do? He would show mercy as he has shown mercy. And he would instruct us to show mercy as he instructed this lawyer to go and do likewise. But if we're honest, many of us are like the priest and the Levite. We're so busy doing the work of the Lord that we pass by needs every day. We're busy, 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 too busy to serve, too busy to love, too busy to show the mercy that Christ would have us to show. I had an opportunity to go to a Christian university pursuing um, uh, ministry, um, and I was in this ministerial class, and there's a doctor by the name of Dr. John Lombard, and he basically preached a sermon about the Good Samaritan, and it was in the context of a room full of ministerial students, but it's important for us to ask ourselves the same question. Are we on our way to minister, or are we ministering on our way? Are we on our way to minister, or are we ministering on our way? And certainly God's intention for us, Christ's intention for us, is that we be merciful to our neighbors with our eyes wide open and be willing and able and and ready to serve on our way. And we talked a little bit in the last couple of weeks about how busy we are as a culture And probably one of the most spiritual things that we can do today when we get home is to take out our calendar and start erasing some of those things off because we've left no margin in our life to ever be able to even minister to the people around us, even if there was a need, because we have to get to church or we have to get to this place or we have to get to that place and our kids have to get to all these other places. If you have no margin in your life, there is no room to minister in the ways that God would have us to minister. And then last week, So that was first sermon really quick. Last week's sermon uh, was in Luke chapter 10. It was a a story about a, a lady named Martha and Mary, and this is how it reads in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, listen to this, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But, this is very interesting, but Martha was distracted by much serving. Are you distracted by much serving? Like you serve, 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 but like you're just worn out? The point of last week's reminder is if we serve, 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 serve without spending time at the feet of Jesus, we're just working. And as a result, we're bitter and we're angry at everybody else around us who are not serving as much as we are. 
There is room for service, and there's a right place for service, but it must come out of the outflow or the overflow of us spending time at the feet of Jesus. It goes on, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He was getting her attention. He says, are you anxious and troubled about many things? Let me ask that question about you this morning. Are you anxious and troubled about many things? What are you anxious and troubled about this morning? But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And as I was reading through this, one of the commentators said, he says, essentially what Jesus was saying, the good portion, her spending time with me, will not be taken away from her now, nor will it be taken away from her for all eternity. Are you spending adequate time at the feet of Jesus? Are you spending adequate time at the feet of Jesus? When we spend adequate time at the feet of Jesus, it enables us, it empowers us, it fuels us to be able to do all the service that God calls us to do. And sometimes we do that out of our order. The first text a couple of weeks ago, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And oftentimes we get those roles reversed and we serve, 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 and we, we're not spending the adequate time that we need at the feet of Jesus. So that's where we are today, which leads us to our text in Luke chapter 7. It continues on in regards to this neighborly series. In Luke chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there while I have a drink of water. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 37. It says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... The emphasis there was because there was something that was known about her. There was a label that had been placed upon her. But the truth is, is they could have brought any woman in the city and, and that would have fit her category or any man in the city and that would have uh, described that man because we're all sinners, amen? A couple of us, all right, the rest of you, we're still praying for you um, just to understand that you're a sinner too. The Bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. So she was a sinner who, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now this lady, it doesn't specifically say in the story, she probably heard Jesus teaching and, and probably saw some miraculous thing that Jesus had done, but there were some barriers that were between her and Jesus. First of all, she wasn't an, an invited guest to this party. It was, it was common in the day for these parties or these dinner parties to um, even spill out into a courtyard, um, but, but, it, but it also was customary that when a rabbi was in someone's house or at a dinner party, even if you were not an invited guest, um, it was common for people to come in um, to, to hear what the rabbi might have to say. So she had some labels that were placed upon her. Uh, first and foremost, she was a woman. Um, no, no disrespect, women, in the, in the day of that particular culture. You think you have it bad today. In that particular culture, I mean, women were not regarded as much. So she had that barrier. She had that label to overcome. But then she was already labeled as a sinner, and she's standing outside this party. And those were barriers for her getting to Jesus. But she pushed in, and she went in, and she got close. And it continues to say, uh, or again, verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. So she was known for something. 
She had a reputation. So she had a label. And I know we have um, so many different lives that are represented in this room. And the question that I have for us is, what are the labels that people have placed on you? What are the labels that people have placed on you? And then have those labels, have those stigmas, have those uh, titles kept you from approaching Jesus? Because you feel like they have defined you and they have kept you from um, being, being wanted. And the thing you have to understand in the, in the, in the context of this particular story, she was a woman and, and she was a sinner, uh, which, which was synonymous with being unclean. Or another way you could say that was she was unwanted. She was, it's, it's as if she was trash. Have you ever felt that way? based on the label that has been put on you. And maybe the label that is put on you has been a wrong label, but maybe it is an accurate label, but that doesn't have to define you moving forward, and that certainly doesn't have to keep you from Jesus. God doesn't see us by the labels society places on us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. Society, or God doesn't see us by the labels that society places on us. My encouragement, just as the woman didn't allow anything to keep her from Jesus, my encouragement to you, wherever you are and whatever is going on in your life today, would be come to Jesus. Break through your fears, break through the obstacles, break through the barriers, and come to Jesus. Continuing in verse 38, and standing behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So um, it wasn't common for us to have like the big dining room tables with the chairs or whatever. The tables were closer to the floor and oftentimes they would even just have food prepared in, in a low spot. So Jesus, as if he's leaning in, kind of resting probably on this very low table and his feet are behind him, so everybody's trying to listen to what Jesus has to say probably from the front side, and she just gets as close as she can from the back, and his feet are behind him, and she comes up behind him, and, and she's weeping. It doesn't specifically say why she's weeping, but I would, um, I would say that she probably uh, recognizes who she is compared to who Christ is. And when we see ourselves for who we are and we compare it to who Christ is, we can't do anything when we're in his presence and at his feet but to weep and to worship and to bow down. And that certainly was the posture of her body and certainly was the posture of her heart. And she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So something that Jesus had done or something that Jesus had said had compelled this woman to worship him. She was worshiping Jesus. This, move, this woman was moved to action. She was moved to worship. What has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done in your life? What has Jesus done to move you to worship? And if, if nothing has ever happened and, and no movement has happened in our heart, I, I think we probably need to get to know Jesus more and get to know ourselves more. Because when we compare ourselves certainly to a holy Jesus, there is only one thing that we can do is adore and worship and bow down. 
continuing in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he's having this conversation with himself in his head. I do that sometimes, just a, I've got ADD, I'm sorry. So I was in Publix years ago, and uh, my now 16-year-old was young enough to be in a car seat, and uh, I was driving in the parking lot, and I was saying something, and Caleb says, what'd you say, Dad? I said, oh, nothing. I said, I'm just talking to myself. And uh, so some time had passed, and I'm another situation, maybe it was down 60 or something, driving, and he's saying something, and I think he's talking to me, and I said, hey, Caleb, what are you, what are you saying? He's like, ah, nothing, I'm just talking to myself. So anyway, this guy was talking to himself in his head. He wasn't mumbling, but he was talking to himself in his head, and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, so he didn't believe that Jesus was who he was proclaiming to be. If he was a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So this, this Pharisee was making judgments in his mind. He was being a label maker. He was labeling Jesus as something that he wasn't, and he certainly was labeling this woman, woman as unclean and unwanted based on her reputation or the label that had been placed upon her. You might say to yourself, well, I don't judge people. Well, you got to finish the sentence. I don't judge people out loud. We make judgments about people all the time in our minds, and we put labels on people all the times in our minds, but God knows what we're, we're doing. God knows what we're thinking, and God knows what we're saying to ourselves. So we can fool everybody else and think that we have it together. We're not placing judgment, and we're not labeling people, but God knows. So he's saying this to uh, Jesus, who knows all things, right? So do you judge people in your mind? God does not need you to be a label maker. And when we judge or label people, we are not, ultimately, we are not neighboring well. We are not neighboring well. Continuing in verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, so we, we hear his name right here. Um, there, just to, just to point this out, there is a reference to a similar story in other gospels that refers to a Simon, but in that particular story, it's referring to a, uh, a Simon the leper. And this is a reference to Simon the Pharisee. So scholars believe that these are two different instances that are happening here. So he says, Simon, referring to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. He just heard your thoughts. I've got something to say about that. He says, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a denarii was uh, known to be uh, one day's wage. So he's basically saying there's this guy that owes 500 days wages, a little bit of money, right? And another person that owes 50 days wages. So that's the, that's the, that's the comparison there, verse 42. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. You have judged rightly. Both the Pharisee and the woman were sinners. Both the Pharisee and the woman were sinners. 
And we too often are focused on the sins of others. And when we're too often focused on the sins of others, we are not repulsed by our own sin and our, and our own wretchedness. Because if we could just focus on somebody else's stuff, we don't have to think about our own. Or we do this uh, thing called comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. At least I cut my grass. Talking to neighbors, right? What sin do you have in your life? What sin do you have in your life? And a lot of times the fear that we ultimately have, because the theme throughout this message is, is fear and what keeps us from neighboring and what keeps us from loving and what keeps us from labeling and, and judging people. Ultimately, I, I think, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in the corner afterwards, but we've got a good security team here, so be careful. The fear, I believe, that we have in not wanting to get close with neighbors and love neighbors is because they're going to see us for who we really are. And we're not as polished up close as we are far away. There is no one righteous, no, not one. We all need Jesus. Don't allow the labels in your life and the things in your life and the sin in your life to keep you from building relationships with other people because that will be an opportunity that God will give you to say, yes, I'm a sinner and yes, I need Jesus and yes, I've got something to tell you because he's changed my life or he's changing my life. You think I'm bad now, let me tell you about who I was 10 years ago and what God's done since then or whatever that God leads you to say in that relationship. Continuing verse 44, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? That's a very important question. Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Do you see this woman? Think about your neighbors, okay, for just a moment. Do you see them? Well, if I knew they had a need or whatever, I would reach out and help minister. Have you not noticed that their grass hasn't been cut for two months? Haven't you noticed that there's, you know, some, some needs around their home? Or haven't you noticed, you know, it, a lot of times we jump to the conclusion of what's the matter with those people instead of what happened to those people or what's the story behind what I see? There's got to be a story there. Let me, let me try to get to know them a little bit better so that I can be a better neighbor so that I can love them in better ways and, and put my label maker down because none of us are supposed to be label makers. Do you see the people around you? I'm convinced, I've experimented with this in my life, and I would suggest that whatever your attitude is towards your neighbors or people in general, that your attitude towards them will change, it has to change when you pray this prayer. God, help me to see those people the way that you see those people. God, help me to see those people the way that you see those people. And when you do that, I guarantee you that your heart will change, your actions will change, and you'll throw your label maker in the garbage. Continuing in verse 45, talking to the Pharisee, Jesus says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. He says, you gave me uh, no water for my feet, which was customary when you were an invited guest into someone's home. 
Um, there wasn't closed-toed shoes, and people wasn't riding in Fords and Cadillacs. I mean, they were walking everywhere, so their feet were dusty. It was a common courtesy of, you know, for uh, the, the, um, the host to, to, to wash the feet of those who came in. But she has washed my feet with her tears, and she has dried them with her hair. And when he says, you gave me no kiss, I mean, I'm, brothers, I love you, but I don't really want you to kiss me. But in the day, culturally, a kiss was symbolic on the cheek of somebody who was your peer or, or an equal. Or a, or a kiss on the hand was uh, done perhaps by a, from a student to, to a rabbi, somebody who was um, under a particular teacher. But a kiss on the feet... I mean, this was an act of surrender. This was a this was an act of submission. This was um, um, total um, surrendered affection, as if to be a servant. As if to be a servant. Again, verse forty-five. He says, "You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came, and she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment." This woman. In spite of the label that she had, she broke through the fear of that and she surrendered herself completely before Jesus. At the fear of being humiliated, at the fear of being outcast yet more, but Jesus didn't shoo her away. Do not fear being surrendered to Jesus. Whatever the label is that you've carried in your life for far too long, come to Jesus Surrender yourself to Jesus, because when we surrender ourselves to Jesus with whatever it is that we're carrying, the heavy loads of our life, Jesus is the only one that can set us free. What are you carrying? What are you carrying? Continuing in verse 47, therefore I tell you her sins, which are many, granted she was a sinner, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Now what if this woman lived in your neighborhood? What if this woman lived in your neighborhood? She does. What if a man like this lived in your neighborhood? He does. They do, and maybe in God's providence, you don't even know why you live in your neighborhood, maybe in God's providence said, hey, I need some light to be planted right here because there's a lot of people in this neighborhood with a lot of labels that they need to be freed from. And I want to use you in the process in freeing them with the love of Christ. So maybe where you live is not just where you picked and thought it was cool, it was a nice house, a nice neighborhood, a nice school district. Maybe God had something to do with that. And maybe God needs us to get off of our seats, so to speak, and get to work because he has things for us to do. So what are you afraid of? As I mentioned earlier, I think we're afraid of, of being known. We, we kind of keep a distance because we don't want people to really know us. 
And as I've stated at least three times in this sermon here this morning, we all need Jesus. We all are broken. So back to your yellow card. If you didn't get a yellow card, there's some out at the info desk there in the lobby as you leave today. It's just a, it's a great visible, visible reminder of how are you being intentional with your neighbors. So how, how do you get started loving your neighbors? How do you get started with loving your neighbor? You, you start with the person next door. You start with that um, inner circle, the circle that just is, is closest to where your house is, and then you work out from there. And um, I believe it was last week, Mark gave some suggestions as to how that can begin. He, he says, you start out with a friendly wave. Maybe you haven't even friendly waved in ever. Like, you know, you've judged other people. It's like, they're so rude. It's like, you haven't even evaluated like what you do to your neighbors and you haven't been honest with that. So maybe you start with a friendly wave and then you go on to a, Hey man. And then a, Hey Mike, you get to know people's names and you call them by their, their names. And how are you doing? Or, Hey Mike, can I help you for a second? Or can I help you with that Mike? Or, you know, Mike, can you help me with this? And as you do life together, you know, that relationship starts to build. And we live in the South, right? I know not all of you are from the South, but I'm just telling you neighborly, neighborly, um, speaking, barbecue goes a long, long ways. Drag that baby out into your front driveway. Yeah, you'll meet some neighbors. They'll come out sniffing the front, out of their front doors, and you just can wave them on over. It's like, here's your, here's your barbecue sandwich. Try that, or something else that you enjoy. Um, but truthfully, if we're honest, sometimes the, the first place that we need to start is going and knocking on that neighbor's door that you've lived next to for 14 years and say, I'm sorry. I've lived here for 14 years, and, and I've not been neighborly. And you can take a guilt offering. Cookies normally work pretty well, or candy or something. Um, but, but begin. And I've had the opportunity through the years to coach my kids in baseball. And right now I'm coaching my younger son in the fall season. And it's enjoyable. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. But the mantra in our house in regards to baseball, and I, I think it certainly applies to life as well, is I can ask my kids the question, uh, what's the most important play? What's the most important play? And their, their natural response, because they've heard me say it so many times, is the next play. Because you could have just hit a grand slam, and then you're in grand slamville in your head, and then the next time you're out on the field, you're still, I'm so great, I'm so great, and then you miss a ball. Or you could have just struck out, and that's in your head, and that's affecting how you're going to play the next play. Well, the same way that we've lived our lives and that we neighbor or, or, or the lack of neighborly things that we've done, what's the most important day? today, right? Today or the next day. So, so don't do what you've always done. Do something differently. Be intentional about doing something different in such a way that you can love your neighbors. Now, there's an insert in your bulletin that you received. It was also in the bulletin last week, and it's just, um, it's a, it's a, it's a visional shift for this particular year in regards to what we feel that God's calling us to as a church. We don't want to just preach series and it's like, oh, that was a good series. Let's move on to the next series. We want to preach God's word in such a way that changes who we are. So if you could take this insert out, if you received it on the way in, on one side, it's information about Fall Fest. And on the back side, there's information about a gather event, which is 
a, like a women's tea. Traditionally, around this culture for a lot of years, we've done a fall festival uh, towards the end of October, and we've done it in this room, and it's spilled out onto the courtyard and even next door, and people have come to faith through that um, event, and it's a great time, and we invite everybody to come into the four walls of our church, and it's great. Lots of commu- community people have done that, but the, the idea and the prayer behind this initiative is if, what if... Instead of we just all came into the safe walls of our four corners of the church building, what if we stayed in our neighborhoods and we used it as an opportunity to know our neighbors and to love our neighbors and build a relationship with our neighbors uh, in a fall fest kind of a way? Now, I said this last night, and it's true. Uh, trust me, I'm not a devil worshiper. Um, I'm not. But on October 31st, my door's going to be open and my light's going to be on. And when kids come to my door, or probably in my driveway because that's where the grill's going to be, I hope to engage with more of my neighbors so that I can get to know their names and and begin more to build relationships with them. And our hope is is that you're going to do that as well. And you learned about a hashtag uh, last week, hashtag B1Brand. And if you don't know what hashtag means, just look for somebody that's under 30 before you leave today and they can explain that to you. Um, but then also in regards to the fall fest, our hope is that you do things at your home and you invite people over and you get to know people in your neighborhood and you're intentional in that regard. And then there's a hashtag that you can post some pictures with there in regards to hashtag BLC fall fest. And then also there's another great event that we've done for a long time around here at Bay Life Church called the women's tea. And I know women, I know that you guys have looked forward to that. And it's such a, it's like the, the, the highlight of your calendar throughout the year and you plan for it all year long. And it's just a big estro fest in this room and there's tables everywhere. It's just amazing. <laughs> and it's great. And lots of people who have been unchurched and don't know Jesus have come and they've enjoyed that time and been able to hear about the love of Jesus. But this year, our prayer is, is that you would Step outside of the fear of having people into your home and set something up nice there and invite your your neighbor ladies over so that you get to know them better and that you can uh, be in your community to, to continue to build those relationships. And certainly as you take pictures and you share those things on social media, there's a hashtag gather BLC. Does that make sense? I know I say this a lot at the chapel when I speak over there and it's, it's just a catchy little thing. But if if nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. If nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. So what are you willing to do differently to intentionally and strategically and prayerfully love the people that God's placed around you where you live? Are you on your way to minister or are you ministering on your way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, it's interesting as we've preached through these sermons the last three weeks, the first week was just a reminder that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And and a lot of times we forget that last part. We, We understand that it's important to love you, but we forget about our neighbors and we're not intentional with them. So forgive us for that, Lord. And then last week, when we were reminded about the story of Martha and Mary, God, sometimes we can be so busy doing the work of the Lord that we neglect our time spending time at your feet. And then our service, we're just bitter and we're angry and we're pointing fingers at everybody around us who aren't doing what they need to be doing, 
But God, if we spend adequate time at your feet, the overflow of that is we are going to be able to serve with the right attitude and with the right heart and with the right motive. And God, as, as we were, were reminded today, God, there's a lot of labels that have been placed on people in life. Um, some rightfully so, and, and, and some um, unjustly, dear Heavenly Father, but it's not our jobs to be label makers. And if we've been label makers or if we've been judgmental towards people, Lord, I pray that we would quit it. I pray that we would stop, dear Heavenly Father, and instead of labeling people, that we would begin loving people, and that we would do some things differently to be able to reach those people around us, to love those people around us, so that we could be the light where you've planted us in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, in our play places, in all the places, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to see the needs that are so much around us and so fill our lives. Lead us by your Spirit, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.